radical left has taken over the Democratic Party. Hello and welcome to Think Progressively, covering politics and all the other chaos life has to offer. This is episode 29, recorded on Thursday, March 18th from Milwaukee. I'm Joe. And I'm Jason. And on today's episode, we are going to break down what's currently going on at our southern border. But first, the headlines. The fact is that everything he's saying so far is simply a lie. I'm not here to call out his lies. Everybody knows he's a liar. Up first in headlines, there was a very tragic mass shooting that happened in Georgia this past week. Eight people killed, including six Asian women working at three different spas and massage parlors in the metro Atlanta area. The shooter is a 21-year-old white male who said that he had a sex addiction and that he was trying to eliminate temptation. The guy literally told police that he was trying to eliminate temptation when trying to kill these innocent women. I'm so angry, Jason. So apparently he might have been a customer at these massage parlors. That's what sources say, yes. I don't know... Maybe they were doing some illicit things on the side, and that's where the whole temptation thing comes into. What really struck me is, listening to the coverage of this, the sheriff's captain who was talking that was just trying so hard to be sympathetic to this guy. Oh, it's disgusting. And this is somebody who murdered eight people, was armed... And the, they were able to track him down through his cell phone because his parents actually ratted him out. They saw his picture from the surveillance footage taken at one of the parlors, and they called police to tell him that that was their son. So they used that information to track his cell phone. They pushed him off the road, basically, and were able to apprehend him without incident. Surprise, surprise. They didn't just shoot him 30 times and call it a day. And shock, you're not hearing a peep out of any Republican or conservative outlet right now about this. Nothing. I wonder why. And the police are falling all over themselves to not call this a hate crime and to instead push the motivations that the shooter said were his, which is this oddly religious, moral, I'm trying to remove temptation from my life. You know, I want to be able to uh, be in heaven. That's why I have to murder everyone. Well, let's talk about that because here's where it really gets me angry, right? Here's one thing that... A lot of media outlets just kind of slide right past when they're talking about the shooter. Now, we're not going to name the shooter himself because he doesn't deserve. We will not give him the notoriety. No, not at all. Not at all. We need to understand here with this specific story is that this person was not only a typical white young male, which a lot of mass shooters are in this country, but that he was a devout Christian Baptist. His pastor at his church described him as one of the most committed members of that church. A former roommate said that the shooter told him he tried to repeatedly stop himself from acting on these supposed sexual urges. He used a flip phone so that he could not access pornography. His computer blocked pornographic websites and even once asked his roommate to take his computer from him because of these things. He even told his roommate to take a knife from him, saying that, quote, I'll never forget him looking at me saying, I'm falling out of God's grace. And on top of that, the roommate also said the two fell out of touch in early 2020 when the shooter moved from a halfway house to a more intensive treatment center at what was called Hope Quest, which is a Christian addiction center for his supposed sex addiction. Well, that worked out real well. 
Well, and that's what makes me so angry about this. If this guy was actually a Muslim, you would hear Republicans talk about how we need to ban Muslims from all these different countries again. We would talk about how Joe Biden can't say the words radical Islamic terror. This guy literally had his religion motivate him throughout his entire life based on these sexual urges that are completely natural. But because he was dehumanized by his own religion and by his own community over and over and over again, he did what was the only thing he thought he could do best, which is eliminate the supposed temptation, which led to killing innocent people. We would definitely, if this was someone who was a Muslim, we would definitely be talking about how Islamic culture breeds this sort of violence towards women and how people need to assimilate better when they come into our country. That would be the conversation right now. This was an honor killing or something along those lines, and it has happened in the past. Certainly, I can see why we would want to call this a hate crime. He was specifically targeting Asian women, it seemed like. He went to these Asian massage parlors, and six of the eight people that were killed were Asian women. There was one other Latino woman as well who was, I believe, a customer. I think one white male who was, I think, also a customer who got in the way. Right. He also said he was going to target employees with this. That was his thing. Right, trying to remove the temptation. Well, and see, here's my thing. I mean, you can also say targeting women in general could be a hate crime. Certainly. I'm okay with saying that. But, you know, where this sparked a lot of national outrage because people think that this is specifically around Asian women, which for the record, very well could be. But am I wrong saying that, I don't know how I want to say this, there is a guy out there who really feels so horrible around women that he feels the need to kill him is worse than the, or is somehow not worse than the actual like Asian American aspect of this. I think the fact that his entire religion (laughs) shamed him to the fact that he had to kill women is so much worse. Yeah, it's the idea that sexual desire is sin and it's wrong and it's not what God wants and you should exert control over it. Now, I certainly believe he probably had some other mental issues in order to contort himself into this position. But it's the fact that when he went to other people in his community, they were bad leaders. They were bad helpers. When you go to a pastor and say, I have these sexual urges, they're going to tell you you're broken, or they're going to make sure that you don't get the help that you're supposed to get. You can even see it in that sheriff's captain who was talking saying, well, he, this is somebody who was at the end of his rope. He didn't know what to do, and he had a very bad day. And now yeah, this that is would where made me at. angry, the whole, like, That's he had a bad day. Literally what he said. You can see it, that he's talked to this guy. He knows what his motivations are. He understands that his motivations are to be a better Christian. And to that police officer, that's a noble motivation. That's something he can understand. Well, and we need to understand that being Christian does not equal being virtuous. That is a myth that has perforated this entire country. Certainly history does not uphold that view. Well, and this is a minor example of why that doesn't hold up. Because usually when you hear excuses from right-wingers and conservatives about why a certain usually white male commits a massive shooting, they'll usually go, well, what was his home life like? What video games does he play? Is he into Satan? He should probably get more church in his life. This guy literally lived for his church and was a devout member, and this is what it did to him. And we try not to bash religion too much on our show just because we know our background, and it's something that comes pretty naturally to us. But in this case, I don't see how this is not seen as a motivation and a reinforcement. No one, like you said, no one ever told this guy, no, you're 
irrational fear of hell is wrong and you don't need to live your life like that. That's only going to cause your mental problems, which apparently were undiagnosed, to be worse. I mean, this is literally a radical Christian terrorist, right? Would you think that fits this role or this description? Yes. And he's certainly not alone. And we'll talk about immigration a lot later on in this episode. And this is something that shows we demonize other groups for whatever faults that some of their members have. But when it's white White Christian males who are statistically most probable to get into these mass shooter situations, we just give it a pass and we look for other causes instead of looking at our culture that we've created and how it may be responsible for this. If someone had just told him, stop trying to live your life for some imaginary being and what you think he wants you to do or what other people are telling you that he wants you to do and just be a good person. Maybe the idea of hurting yourself or other people is a bigger issue than what's going to happen to your imaginary soul. Well, and that's what I was going to say, too, where even in his community, they would use punitive measures to deter bad behavior, right? They will never use it, hey, you should be good for goodness sake. You should never be good because it actually helps other people. It's always, if you're not good, you're going to hell, which just initiates a fear motive this entire time that people can't get away from. And that's all they care about. It's the fact that they're broken, they're lost, and they're going to face eternal torment. I'm sorry, this whole story just makes me so angry. And yes, I'm very, very angry that these eight innocent people died because of this, but I'm even angry at the fact that a lot of news outlets are just kind of skipping over the fact that his religion literally killed these eight people. And it definitely bears mentioning that again, this sheriff captain who they had doing this press conference, who seemed very sympathetic to this guy's motivations, also probably a racist against Asian people. He posted on social media some t-shirt that he found that said COVID-19, a virus imported from China. No, he didn't. Yeah. And it was spelled like how Trump says China, like like C-H-Y-N-A. And he said, hey, everybody get them while you still can or whatever. So So the people in power. Yeah. Well, like we've been saying for a long time, there's a lot of racists in the police departments across the country. And might have a little something to do with how this guy was taken without being injured or murdered, and not usually the case when you have a minority in the same position. And I'm not saying they should have killed him. Clearly, they didn't need to. They were able to get him under custody. Nobody got injured at that point. That's how they should handle everyone. And I think it is a little too convenient right now with there being a lot of anti-Asian violence due to the coronavirus and, and which has been uptaking because of people like Trump's rhetoric. Right. The former president and the GOP still keep pushing that narrative that somehow China did this on purpose and it's the Chinese people's fault. Well, even when Trump's out of power, he's still pushing this and that stupid statement he made. Just know that when you won't hear a peep about what's going on with this from the right or from conservatives or Republicans, know that an actual Christian terrorist killed eight people in this country because of his Christianity. Just remember that. And in somewhat related news, the House of Representatives re-approved the Violence Against Women Act, which is a remnant of the Joe Biden crime bill, one of the few 
pieces of that legislation that actually was positive and has been reauthorized many times over the years. But since we've had a Republican-controlled Congress, it has not been reauthorized uh, since 2018. Because... Republicans. (laughs) And because it limits access for guns for violent abusers, which... They don't want. Well, actually, to be more precise, the gun manufacturers don't want, and they control the NRA, and the NRA controls enough Republican senators and representatives so that they did not want to reapprove that legislation. Specifically, it closes the boyfriend loophole. Yep. Where if you've committed violence against your girlfriend, boyfriend, misdemeanors of domestic abuse or stalking right where you have a restraining order against you if you're married and that's your spouse that it happens to you then cannot purchase a firearm if you actually go through legal channels and not just buy one from a gun show or whatever but that's a whole other conversation but if you're not married if it's your girlfriend domestic partner whatever boyfriend whatever it is that law doesn't apply Even if you have an active restraining order against you for violence, you can still just go buy a gun legally and it's fine. So because of that provision, which you would think that's something everyone should support, right? Well, again, not gun manufacturers. Yeah. So not our Congress, who they buy and pay for. So it did pass the House, although it did not have broad Republican support. There were some Republican representatives who voted for it you would think since they know it's going to pass anyway they would just not want to be obvious shills for the gun lobby but again it's not even just guns too it's also transgender rights where this bill also expands access to transgender women who want to seek women's shelters if they were abused or whatever happens to them or if they're threatened and to also serve in prisons that match their gender identity and of course people are against that as well because why not and we're also because it has not been in place since 2018. It provides federal aid for states and local authorities to have education and campaigns to stop domestic violence and abuse. I mean, I don't know about you, Jason, but I like this. Sounds good to me. Again, one of the few good things from the crime bill, and even that does not get unanimous support. Now, Jason, this one's interesting. Did you hear about this story? I did. I have unfortunately heard this audio. Edited, luckily. <laughs> I, I didn't even go that far, so I give you credit. Basketball announcer who uses N-word on hot mic cites blood sugar spike. Yeah, odd that it was only when he thought the microphone was off <laughs> that his blood sugar caused him to use racial slurs. So this is a story out of an Oklahoma high school basketball game. High school kids, children, who were kneeling during the national anthem, which, well, that's... That's a jailable offense to most conservatives. So as the game was being started and they were kneeling during the anthem, again, we're not going to say his name. I don't care. He can fade into obscurity. Yep. This announcer basically started to get upset that he saw the players kneeling and said that he hoped they lose and then called them. I think he he said, quote, these effing N-words. Yeah, lose. that was at the end. No, yeah. it was there were two different sentences. Oh, okay. <laughs> he said, "I hope they lose," and then and then these uh, effing n words. Yes, but I want to read his apology. I won't read the whole thing. 
I just have to go through some of this because it's amazing. After, and this is, by the way, after denying that it was him. Right. I, guy I don't care about his name, on Thursday, March 11th, 2021, most regrettably made some statements that cannot be taken back. I made inappropriate and racist comments believing that the microphone was off. However, let me state immediately that this is no excuse that such comments should have ever been uttered. I am a family man. I am married. I have two children. And at one time was a youth pastor. Using religion as a shield. I continue to be a member of the Baptist church. Oh boy. Good timing on that apparently. I have not only embarrassed and disappointed myself, I have embarrassed and disappointed my family and my friends. I will state that I suffer from type 1 diabetes. <laughs> you know, that, t- that type of diabetes that just makes you yell racial slurs. And during the game, my sugar was spiking. Tourette-abetes, it's called. <laughs> Racist Tourette-abetes? While not excusing my remarks, it is not unusual when my sugar spikes that I become disoriented and often say things that are not appropriate as well as hurtful. I, I don't think it works that way. <laughs> I t- what is this? I get confused and, you know, I just start throwing out racial slurs. I do not believe that I would have made such horrible statements absent my sugar spiking. What? You should have heard what I called my grandma after I had too many donuts. (laughs) While the comments I made would certainly seem to indicate that I am a racist. (laughs) Because I am. Because you're a racist. That's what it is. You're a racist. I am not. I have never considered myself a racist. Oh, really? And in short, cannot explain why I made these comments. I can. You're racist. racist. Oh, my God. And he doesn't go on to explain anything of like, well, why did you have a problem with them kneeling during the national anthem? What, What about that offended you? Why would you even care to be upset about that? Again, the answer is the same as why he used a racial slur to begin with because of that racism and doesn't have anything to do with diabetes oh my god so not something we really need to spend a lot of time on and you wonder why there's a black lives matter movement (laughs) where literally black teenagers can't kneel for a national anthem in a high school basketball game without someone calling them a racial slur and then blaming it on diabetes oh what am i am i wearing a clan hood hold on let me get my insulin I never associate myself with the clan. My sugar wasn't spiking. I would have never worn that clan hood or burned that cross. I promise you that. I would have never been so anti-Semitic if I wasn't for my cancer. Moving from one racist to another. To the great state of Wisconsin. Let's talk about Ron Johnson. Oh. Our senator, the pride and joy of the Badger State, has been making national headlines because of comments that he made about the January 6th Capitol breach. That were super, I guarantee it, were not racist. His blood sugar was definitely spiking. (laughs) Maybe he's got undiagnosed diabetes. He just doesn't know. I did find out, I don't know, this is not related to it, that he did also initially reject the um, COVID vaccine when offered to him. Did you hear about that? Nope. Yeah, he was offered the COVID vaccine and did not take it because he already got COVID. (laughs) Yep. But we're not talking about that. We're not talking about his anti-science and crap. We're talking about his racism. So, Jason, tell me what happened. In an interview last week, Ron Johnson drew all sorts of criticism, rightly so, when talking about the Capitol riots on January 6th, of which Ron Johnson was a target of being, unfortunately, a senator from Wisconsin. He said, I knew those were people who love this country. 
that truly respect law enforcement, despite beating a police officer to death, would never do anything to break the law other than criminal trespassing and vandalism and attempted murder. An actual murder of a couple cops. So I wasn't concerned. You weren't concerned. I still fled the building and hunkered down with security, but I wasn't concerned. Now, had the tables been turned, and this is going to get me in trouble. So stop right there. (laughs) Hang on. I want to... Signaling that... Pause. Pause. We are pausing. He knows what he's going to say is really freaking bad and really racist. I want to start with that. He knows what he's saying. All right, keep going. Right, and he later says, I don't understand what the big deal is. After saying, this is going to right. get me in trouble. <laughs> Had the tables been turned and President Trump won the election and tens of thousands of Black Lives Matter and Antifa, I might have been a little concerned. You racist scumbag. Might as well just say, well, they weren't black people, so I felt fine. After drawing the rightful criticism... Johnson said Monday on the Dan O'Donnell, which Which is is a horrible conservative radio show in Milwaukee, that because many of the Black Lives Matters protesters were white, his comments were not racist. (laughs) Some of them are white, right? It's an actually biracial crowd, unlike the people storming the Capitol, which were at least 98% white from what I could see. Remember those leftist activists, those protesters. That some of them turned into riots. A lot of them are white, Johnson said. So there's no racism involved in this at all. Wait, so I want to I want to pause here too. Some of the best too. friends of the rioters <laughs> are white. Well, I want to pause here. So he's acknowledging in this interview saying that only some of the protests were violent, right? Unlike the one capital riot, which right? Exactly, was a violent. So he riot. knows that there were thousands, if not millions, of protesters for Black Lives Matter that didn't do a damn thing. And he's going to condemn and be more afraid of Black Lives Matter more than the actual insurrectionists that he saw storm the Capitol building. And led to five deaths. You know, and even if this wasn't racist, it is. It was 100% racist. He, he is a scared little old white guy that can't even understand what it's like to be black in America. But even if it wasn't racist, that just means that Ron Johnson is so partisan and so Trumpy that just because these people are supposedly on his side, he just assumes that they're better people than people he disagrees with. Not like those animals. Literally. So even when you take race out of it, it's still really dumb and really bad. And the fact that he doesn't understand that shows that why he should not be in office. He's talked about not running for re-election. I really hope he follows through on that. I don't know. What's better? Do you think it's better if he runs for re-election and then gets his butt kicked? Or we take a chance with someone random and new? I have enough faith in I the don't. people of Wisconsin. I do not. <laughs> I, I really do not. I do think, personally, if Johnson were to run again, there's so much bad crap for him now that he could have a good Trump effect and then just get his ass kicked out of the state. Continuing on our bad Wisconsin politician cavalcade... As we talked about in the last episode with the American Rescue Plan expansions for federal subsidies under Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act, Wisconsin is eligible for $1.6 billion in federal tax savings if they decide to increase health care coverage among their population. Yep. Both of which are positive. Yeah. So everyone's on board, right? 
not we're gonna get this republican we're gonna do it wisconsin assembly speaker robin voss oh, who he's... has refused to expand health care coverage well, i'm sure he has really good reasons right quote i think the state of wisconsin has enough resources to be able to utilize we have enough resources to make sure we have all of our priorities funded and we're not going to do it by expanding welfare Trapping people in the life of poverty is not something that there's ever the right amount of money to do. Oh my god. Healthcare is not welfare, Robin Voss. Wisconsin is one of only nine states with a full-time legislature. And as we've talked about previously, since the pandemic began, they have been the least active. Hey, 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 don't you say that. They just passed something very important recently. Did you hear that? (laughs) Yes, the resolution supporting rush limbaugh yep we officially are now honoring rush limbaugh they did not pass a resolution to recognize black history month however no they didn't do that but rush limbaugh it's because that took a lot of time and there was a lot of thought that went into that that's why they couldn't do any of this other good stuff i'm glad he's a rotting corpse so (laughs) they have met 18 times fewer than the other eight full-time state legislatures and As a state legislature, Robin Voss, along with everyone else, receives over $50,000 a year in salary, plus a daily per diem, and full state health benefits, despite the fact that the legislature schedule only runs from January to March. So you know about that makes me really angry. I've been to several local town halls with my state representatives, and all the state representatives by me are Democrats because I'm in Milwaukee County. Okay. A common question that they've been get, or that they've been getting is why aren't you in the office more? Why aren't you in session more doing stuff for us? You know, we're paying you 50 grand a year, aren't we? And they're like trying to get them in this gotcha question saying they don't do anything for us. And they literally have to say, "We're in the minority and the majority doesn't let us do anything." They would love to do their jobs, but literally, the Republican majority of Wisconsin does not let our Congress actually do anything. And when it is, is there something really stupid, like trying to ban transgender rights or trying to do some of the conversion therapy or give Rush Limbaugh the star of freedom or whatever bullshit? Sorry. <laughs> it's infuriating. They were called into special session twice to try to address the pandemic and both times yeah, they gaveled out. Yep. They ended the session without doing anything. Well, it's the same thing about gun violence, too. They're calling the special session on gun violence. Gaveled in, gaveled out. They don't do anything, and people keep voting for them. So if Robin Voss wants to talk about not being on welfare, I think he should look at himself first. He is on state welfare. He gets full state health benefits. He gets $50,000 a year to literally do nothing, to be the person that decides to do nothing. And instead, he wants to try to demonize people who are trying to live their lives, barely scraping by, and can't afford Healthcare cannot afford to go see the doctor, and the federal government is going to give this state over a billion and a half dollars. Which would do so much to provide health care for those people that are struggling during a pandemic. And, and has- Robin Voss is more concerned about conservative rhetoric than the lives of people in Wisconsin. And he will not pay a penalty for that. Nope. And that's unfortunate. And people in Rochester and the area that he's from need to educate themselves and realize that they are voting against their best interest 
and against the best interest of all of the people of Wisconsin. Quite literally. God, and he had the audacity to say that we have enough resources. You kidding me? All right, I, I'm sick of these these terrible, terrible leaders. Let's let's go on to a lukewarm good leader. Let's talk about Biden. So Biden was in a recent ABC interview the other day where he gained a lot of traction because he said a couple of interesting things. Number one, he did say that Andrew Cuomo should resign and face prosecution if the sexual harassment claims are true. And number two, Biden did also say that he supports reforming the Senate filibuster. What are your thoughts on these? Both are positive. He could have gone a little harder on Cuomo, but he's in a bad position because he defended him like two weeks ago. Yep. I mean, I think it speaks volumes that the president is telling another Democrat to resign. I think that's good. Definitely speaks to the over half a dozen women that have come forward to right. tell him that he acts inappropriately. And of course, Cuomo still said that he's not going to resign. Who knows what's going on with his head, but he needs to get out. I am happy to say that Biden did talk about the filibuster and talk about reforming it. I don't know. He was so kind of weak when he was talking about it. I don't know what actually he would get done with it, but I mean, it's a step in the right direction. Another thing that he did talk about is the bum-bum-bum border crisis. So let's talk about that. All right, let's do it. That was really a productive segment, wasn't it? It's hard to get any word in with this clown. Jason, we have a crisis at the border. We do. Cue the South Park rednecks. They took our job. I'm going to keep referencing just to make you upset. (laughs) It's definitely a humanitarian crisis. Well, and we'll talk about that too, right? So I want to talk about exactly what's been going on and how Biden's administration is handling this current, and we can talk about whether or not it's a crisis or not, but this definite issue that's going on at our southern border. Certainly seems to be a Republican focus. Oh, definitely. Thing is, instead of talking about the rescue plan that passed, they are all traveling to the border. Or the Georgia shooting, by the way. So let's start with the numbers here. In December of 2020, there were 71,000 people that were apprehended as they crossed the southern border. That number rose to 75,000 or about 75,000 in January, and then to nearly 100,000 people in February. And we're projected to go even higher in March, even though March isn't finished yet. A lot of this is due to people seeing Biden take over the presidency and actually seeing a lot better, more positive rhetoric coming from the United States president. So they feel like they have a better shot to gain asylum now as opposed to what they had with Trump. And for the most part, these are not people who just decided to try to cross the border now. Correct. Most of these people are from Central and South America, and they've been... As if they're already at the border. ...in Mexico in migrant camps. And the problem was, under the Trump administration, they had the policy that they were had to stay in Mexico, where they were being preyed upon by gangs and drug cartels trying to take advantage of them. They were being kidnapped and ransomed if they had family in the United States. All of their belongings are being stolen. They are being pressed to join these gangs and drug cartels, pretty much living a terrible life, waiting to hear if their asylum cases will be heard. And we're talking people waiting years. Yep. And not just typical adults either, but a lot of children and especially unaccompanied children. That's where a lot of this is getting attention for. So this week, there were more than 13,000 unaccompanied migrant children that were held in custody. More than 4,200 of those were stuck in Border Patrol facilities that are unfit to house them, including 3,000 who had already been um, held beyond a 72-hour legal limit. And that's going to be a main focus throughout this entire segment here, is that 72-hour legal limit. By law, our government can only hold somebody 
or an immigrant or an illegal immigrant for 72 hours before either releasing them to a shelter or to deporting them to their home country or whatever it is. That rule usually isn't followed. And that's not just by President Trump, but that's also being happening under Joe Biden and actually under Obama and Bush as well. And the reason why is due to processing times. We have such an influx in migrant children right now where we literally do not have the processing power to do this in a timely basis. So, and unfortunately, a lot of these children just get stuck in the system. Now, for most of the children who are in custody, they're usually in types of shelters that are meant for children. These are things like they have proper bunk beds, they have libraries, they have video game systems, they have recreational areas and outdoor areas and health services and everything that you could probably want to provide to migrant children. These other children who are just unfortunately stuck are just in overcrowded adult facilities who are sleeping on mats, almost like in cages, the whole idea of kids in cages thing. And it's kind of horrifying. And they have sent FEMA to try to build facilities and make things a little bit better. One of the issues is there. a lot of them are being watched by Border Patrol, and they're not really set up for long-term holding. And they want to get them more towards like health and human services personnel. Correct. And so that's what they're attempting to transition. Of course, all of those systems were dismantled under the racist anti-immigration president that we had previously. So that's why we have this problem right now. Well, and the other big thing, too, is Biden is rolling back a lot of Trump's policies when it comes to immigration. So, for example, Biden rolled back Trump's, oh, was it Remain in Mexico? Right. Yeah. MPP, I yeah. believe. The- I have it down here. Yeah, But it's what we talked about, why there were these migrant camps in Mexico, which now are being dismantled because that policy doesn't exist. So now these people literally have nowhere to go. Right. So the thing is, Biden's still kind of doing that with adults on and off. However, he strictly cut all of that off when it came to kids. He is not sending any children back to Mexico. And the reason why is because, like Jason said, it puts people in squalor near the Mexican border. And you'll see people in very bad and unhealthy living conditions. They'll be in areas that are known for kidnapping and violence and crime. So you have a lot of these people who have relatives of these people who are trying to wait for asylum just to be told that they actually got sent back to Mexico and they can't even find them anymore because who knows what happened to them. So, and like I said before, this a lot of this stems from Biden's initial actions as president and the fact that people think he's much more forgiving than Trump and his administration. There were some very draconian, frankly, evil policies of the Trump administration. The And they specifically said that they did it to discourage immigrants from trying to pr- cross the border. If Correct. we take your children and you will never see them again, yeah, that's going to discourage people from trying to cross the border. You could shoot them too. And that would discourage them. Well, and I listened to a New York Times reporter talk about this. And for the record, I'll also say, you know, whether regardless of what you think about the New York Times, their reporting on southern border and immigration issues is phenomenal. So you should really check them out for that. They have people on the ground there all the time and they get in-depth interviews with the people who are crossing with Border Patrol agents and the like. It's amazing. So, yeah, highly, highly, highly recommend the New York Times when it comes to any of this stuff which we'll have several links from them in this segment. But so when I was listening to the New York Times reporter, she was talking about how Trump was squeezing immigration from both sides. Trump was definitely trying to make it a lot harder to get in, which was... Unless he's married to you. Oh, right. (laughs) It was much harder to actually get into the country, 
But once you got in, and especially for children, they made it much harder to get out. And what I mean by that is they would intentionally put restrictions in place to make sure that kids would not be released anywhere into the country, and sometimes not even to Mexico either. And that was a way as a deterrent for other people, like Jason said. So they literally just held children prisoner way longer than the law allows them. Remember, the 72-hour rule, just to send a message. So Biden basically reversed a lot of that type of stuff. Um, He initially sent forth the immigration bill for Congress to pass, and that would provide a pathway to citizenship for undocumented immigrants who are present in the United States as of January 1st, 2021. We already talked about him stopping Trump's MPP or his migrant protection protocols or the remain in Mexico policies. So migrants usually feel encouraged to take this as their shot to come in. And unfortunately, they're not the only ones who know this. You see, Biden's administration has a severe messaging problem right now. People already believe that Biden has lifted a lot of restrictions on immigration for people coming and seeking asylum. Biden has been on the record, same with his administration as well, that they will provide a path to citizenship and that they're going to make it much better or easier to come into this country. However, they're also telling them to not come right now because we don't have the processes in place yet. You've already been waiting for years in border towns being preyed upon by gangs and drug cartels. We just need you to wait a little longer. But here's the real big problem. You see, border crossers are usually vulnerable to rumor and misinformation. So you usually see cartels and you know human traffickers will tell people that, hey, Biden said that you're welcome to come in now. He promises that he can do this for you and you're all good to go. Just give me $300. And I'll take you across the border and you'll be all set. Right. And they'll tell them whatever it is so they get, they get paid. And Biden's administration has been struggling to combat this misinformation on a grand scale. I mean, let's be real here, Jason. Most migrant people are not going to look at whatever C-SPAN to see what Joe Biden is saying about the immigration pl- policy. If they had a cell phone, it was probably stolen from them at some point. Or whatever it is, right? A New York Times reporter who was at the border observed several people who were being turned away during asylum. And she even recorded someone wailing into her telephone saying that Biden promised us to get in and she was heartbroken by it. So this is a real issue here. And when Jason talks about it being a humanitarian crisis, it is. It is a real humanitarian crisis. People are risking their lives, sending their children unaccompanied to walk multiple countries just to hopefully get into the United States. People are dying. People are being kidnapped. People are being used as cartels to smuggle drugs into the country any way they can. It's horrible. So when people talk about it being a border crisis, there really is one. Unfortunately, that's not what Republicans are usually talking about. And I think as well, when they talk about, just to kind of clear this part up, when they talk about drug cartels being involved, a lot of the times it is not having people smuggle drugs in because... They're bringing in the weed, man. Well, because... What was the Steve King quote? They got calves the side of cantaloupes because they're hauling a ton of marijuana across the desert. So the reason why you wouldn't really do that as a drug cartel <laughs> is because you have to have somebody on the other side. I thought you were going say because weed's heavy. <laughs> to collect this, right? Yes. So sending children with drugs on them across the border, hoping that they're going to make it, and then have a stranger that they don't know in the United States. Just hopefully find them. And recover these drugs. They're not motivated to deliver drugs. It's a lot more lucrative to just take their money. And then not send them. 
And well, they do. They well, they, they can. They have systems set up where they will ferry people across. They'll take them on rafts across the river, or they'll show them safe ways to get across the border. But it's much more lucrative to just take these people's money and act as a coyote than it is to try to give them drugs and hope that the drugs somehow safely make it over. Why bother with that when you can just use them, take their money, and then leave them? And who cares what happens? Right. Here's something I want to get your input on, Jason. How do you feel about the conflation of the word crisis done by Republicans? Well, we've seen, what do they call it? Do they just call it the crisis? What is the Republican name? So as of right now, they are calling it a crisis. Um, I've seen consistent messaging from Republicans blaming Biden for a supposed crisis, and they're specifically using their crisis over and over and over again. What are they calling it? What did Kevin McCarthy, Republican minority leader in the House, what did he specifically call it? Quote from Kevin McCarthy, it's more than a crisis. This is human heartbreak. The sad part about all of this, it didn't have to happen. This crisis is created by the presidential policies of this new administration. There's no other way to claim it than a Biden border crisis. That is the term that Republicans are using. They're trying to spin this as something that Biden completely created out of thin air within two months. Yep. And you can see this, too, where even on Twitter, they're trying really hard to get hashtag Biden border crisis trending. What else did Kevin McCarthy have to say? Um, that they're bringing terrorists into the country. More fear-mongering. Not only are they all drug smugglers, they're ISIS drug smugglers. Quote, they're now finding people from Yemen, Iran, Turkey. People on the terror watch list they're catching, and they're rushing it all at once. He's referring to an Axios article where they caught four people on the terror watch list. How can our border patrol ever hope to stand well, up to that surge? Of well, and the fact the that, one, just because you're on the watch list does not mean that you're already a terrorist. Number two, this is nothing new. We catch people who are on the terrorist watch list all the time. <laughs> this is nothing related to Biden or anything recent. But here's where I want to talk about that conflation of the word crisis. Because when we talk about the word crisis, Democrats and Republicans are usually on two different wavelengths. A lot of Democrats, when they use the word crisis, and they're afraid to use the word crisis because of how it's actually treated by Republicans, are actually talking about the humanitarian crisis at the border, where you see innocent people risking their lives to get into a country that just to get to a process that isn't going to help them for years on end, right? And that is a real humanitarian crisis. Um, there was a really good interview, I think a couple of years ago, when the wall or the southern border wall was a real big thing. And the New York Times interviewed an actual sheriff who had the longest stretch of the southern border in his county. And he also talked about a humanitarian crisis because he, they would find you know parents and children just dead in the desert and in rivers trying to cross the border illegally. However, when Republicans and conservatives use the word crisis, they're not talking about the migrants. They don't care about the migrants. They try to use it as a way to say, look at all these brown people who are coming into your country and are going to make you unsafe. And I'm Kind of sick of that rhetoric, Jason. They're all murderers and rapists. That's what our former president said. So They're not sending their best. Though. Right. So be aware, when you hear conservatives and Republicans use the word crisis, they're not talking about the humanitarian crisis that you may know about. They're literally using racism as a way to stoke fear into you and everyone that you know. Let me put it this way, Joe. I'm ready. Let me hear it. Were your ancestors born in the United States or in America? Uh, No. 
Mine were not as well. In fact, very recently for half of my family, my mom's parents were both Polish. If they weren't born in Poland, it was pretty close. I, I've never done the uh, genealogy.com breakdown, but certainly they both spoke not the best English in the world. On my dad's side, a little bit further back, but also of European descent. We are all immigrants, the vast majority of us in this country. There were tens of millions of immigrants from Europe that came to the United States to find a better life. After the potato famine in Ireland, huge waves of immigrants came here. Polish immigrants came. German immigrants came. That's why Milwaukee has the heritage it has, because there were huge numbers of German immigrants all coming at the same time. This has always happened throughout American history. You know what the process was like in the turn of the 20th century when Ellis Island was the processing facility? Now, Ellis Island, remember, was for the poor. If you could not get first or second class passage, you were in steerage. That's where you went to Ellis Island. They gave you a high five, a job, and a couple bumper stickers. <laughs> so, and sent you on your way. You did a very preliminary medical check. If they felt you had any issues, you would go through an exhaustive six-minute exam. Oh, man. And you would answer a number of questions, which was known as the two-minute questionnaire because it took two minutes to process. Based on the medical exam and the questionnaire, which was mostly like, are you an anarchist? Are you a communist? How do you feel about guns? <laughs> How do you feel about Jesus, man? You would either be denied or gained entry. They denied less than 2% of people seeking entry. And that's when America was destroyed, right? <laughs> so our ancestors were not put through this same process. They did not wait years on those ships to have someone decide whether or not they could become American. They did not have nearly the level of scrutiny. And these are, by the way, in the southern border, people looking for asylum. They're not even just trying to illegally cross. They're trying to literally just to seek asylum. Right. And they're not even, though, just trying to go through the standard immigration process mm -hmm. because they know it's impossible. Yep. And they don't have any shot. Their best chance is to declare asylum. Well, and that was the issue with Trump and his administration, where people were going to legally seek asylum and they were being jailed for months on end because they legally did something correct. <laughs> so I'm fine with doing the six-minute medical check, the two-minute questionnaire. Well, and I was going to ask you, Jason, so why don't you try to dispel some myths for people who say that, you know, I'm all for legal immigration, but not illegal immigration. Why don't we put that to bed here, too? Well, as we said, there is no such thing as legal immigration right now. You cannot get through that process. It will take you years and years and years and years and cost tons of money. The biggest obstacle or biggest factor in whether or not you can immigrate into the United States is whether or not you're rich or married to Donald Trump. Well, and I think we also need to talk about the fact that people just wanting to come over here isn't the same thing as murdering somebody. Yes, we can also say we should have processes, but... Our processes are broken. But yeah, well, I mean, I'm saying even if we had like not broken processes, coming or wanting to come to this country isn't a bad thing. As all of our grandparents, great-grandparents, whatever it might be. That's where they all started. We are not 
better than these people coming to the border looking for a better life. We are those people. We are the descendants of those people. And to treat them differently or that they're any less human than the rest of us is terrible. It's atrocious. And this circles back all the way to what we're talking about with Biden, where he's literally trying to push for a better pathway to citizenship, because that's what we should be doing. It's okay to encourage people to come here. I don't want to say this. No, that's awesome. I would say it's okay to encourage people to come here, period. End of story. But let's talk about some other things that are currently being done about this. So the House is going to take up a couple of immigration bills amid the influx of migrants across the U.S.-Mexico border. The first is H.R. 6, the American Dream and Promise Act of 2021. It would provide a pathway to citizenship for the young undocumented immigrants known as DREAMers, as well as for temporary protected status recipients and deferred and forced departure beneficiaries. So these are people that are already in the country. Correct. Again, talking about pathways to citizenship. Let's make them citizens of our country. Um, the legislation also stands to make up to 4.4 million individuals eligible for permanent residence, according to the Migration Policy Institute. So good. I'm glad. You know, if they're already in our country, let's give them a path. The second one is H.R. 1603, the Farm Workforce Modernization Act. Um, this bill would permit farm workers and their spouses and children to earn legal status through continued employment in the agricultural sector. So again, we're putting people to work and jobs that usually people don't want to have. And instead of just having it be slave labor because we pay them garbage, it's actually giving them better employment down the road and providing a better path to citizenship. Well, with the Republican and centrist Democrats refusing to give living wages to people, I I don't know that it's much better than... If we're not going to give a living wage to white people, (laughs) imagine that they're brown. Really irritates me when you hear Republicans and conservatives talking about this issue. They say, well, you know, when people came in through Ellis Island, they got gainful employment. They weren't all on food stamps like the migrants are today. You you won't pay them enough to live. You won't even increase the minimum wage to a living standard. Well, and on top of that, the Republicans put the measures in place to make sure that they wouldn't proceed any farther. So what are you supposed to do? You're brand new to the country. You might not speak the language or you barely speak the language. You can't get gainful employment. What kind of a job you're going to get? Right. You're going to get minimum wage. If that. Or yeah, below a lot of these right. places. Right. Usually it's way below minimum people, wage. Yeah, very poorly. What do they expect to happen? It's not the immigrants' fault. When our ancestors came over, they worked in coal mines and garbage jobs too and a lot of people also lived very poorly we didn't have the same social programs otherwise they would have been on those correct and it wasn't until two three generations down the road that their children and their grandchildren started to make a better life and they're willing to make that sacrifice in order to have that happen i'm willing to make sure that they have a better life day one if it were up to you know progressives and people that care about the benefit of humanity, but the conservatives aren't even willing to give them that same crummy opportunity that we had because of racism, because they look different than you and me. They don't have these same objections to European immigrants. Well, you know, I was going to talk about that too, Jason, where both you and I know an undocumented immigrant. Yes, we do. Or an illegal immigrant in this country. You would never know by looking at her. Never. If you put her in a line with a bunch of other people, she would never get picked because she's white. Yep. And she 
is never going to get busted by ice or you know pulled over questioned anything just based on that fact and she doesn't face the same racism and stigma that other immigrants have so to wrap this up note that there is an actual crisis going on at our southern border it is a humanitarian crisis it's real and we need to address it the biggest problem is this is a long-standing very complex problem with a lot of different factors going into it and it's probably not gonna get solved by biden it probably won't get solved by the guy behind him either oh i said guy behind him crap (laughs) the universal guy hey guy i mean if it's america it may most likely be a guy who knows at this point statistically speaking yeah so please pay attention to it call biden out when he does things that are bad keep him honest when he's housing children in unstable conditions like he is right now and support these bills or tell your representatives to support these bills support the american dream and promise act 2021 support the farm workforce modernization act Make sure they do it. Call your representatives. Call your senators. I'm not going to call. Well, I'm going to call one of my senators. The other one's an idiot. <laughs> You're not going to call Ron Johnson? I'm not going to call Ron Johnson. Uh... No, I'm not going to do that. He's still going on in crazy land and something else right now. So I'm going to let him be and. Tell him that uh, Antifa is against the American Dream and Promise Act and that he should vote for it because they hate it. <laughs> Just call Ron Johnson. Just waste his time. <laughs> yeah, like he'll actually answer the phone for anything. Yeah, but an aide will have to tell him. We got 15 calls today to say that you're I'm a I'm sure his aides were like, or I'm sure his aides were trained to just say like, oh, you know, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And then just ignore everything. There's no way those aides are happy or they're good. It's a people. rough it, job. It's, it's either they're unhappy or they're not good people. It's yeah, one or the other. Yeah, don't yell at them. They're probably, they don't care what, they just want to do this for college credit or they want to potentially be in office themselves someday. Don't abuse them, but just waste their time i mean you can abuse them a little bit like they're they're for ron johnson they were they were okay with getting picked up <laughs> might by be ron the johnson. only one that had openings man there's very little yeah but there's an ethical standard <laughs> you know there were jobs on politician staffs that i could have applied for and i didn't because i have an ethical code should have <laughs> so, done it and then trash talked them to everybody yeah <laughs> yeah no they're terrible i understand <laughs> i spit in his food like every day <laughs> so all in all screw ron johnson <laughs> That's what you should take out from this segment. That should be your takeaway. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. We hope to see you in the next episode. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at ThinkProPod. You can email us at ThinkProPod at gmail.com. And remember, when in doubt, think progressively. So much for not saying the word ass the first time. Oops. Eh, I don't. I, there's really only two words that I bleep out. And why? South Park did a whole a episode. hard one. I mean, that's ass, damn, hell. I don't really worry about those. Do I need to send you that South Park episode again where they, where they said shit like I'm done with time. South Park. <laughs> they did a whole um, QAnon special. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Send me a personal apology for that trans episode. Maybe I'll... Yeah.